We are gathered here today to unite this man and this woman in marriage. Mark, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Of course, she's smoking hot. (laughs) Jenny, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? I do. You may kiss your bride. All right. I got to get loss of innocence out of the way here. There we go. All right, let's pray. And let me take off my tiara. Lord, I thank you, God, for an opportunity to have a little fun. But Lord, I I pray tonight that you would use us, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, that uh, what you want for our lives tonight would be so clear to us, Lord. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Most of us in this room, we have two massive trips in front of us. The journey into marriage and the journey into ministry. All right. Are you going to have a seat there, Mark? I'm just trying to get it out. And um, that journey into ministry includes inside the church walls and outside the church walls. And I was in your shoes just 25 years ago. I was 21 years old, and I was entering into marriage and ministry. And some of you are probably sitting here thinking, whoa, Jenny, like, slow down. I just got here two months ago. I have no marriage plans. And for that, I congratulate you, uh, because I encourage you to take your time. You came here for an education, not a marriage proposal. But I know that these things happen along the way sometimes. And some of you are actually sitting in this room. You're already married. So high fives to you guys. That's awesome. But each one of us is on a journey, whether it's uh, going just into ministry or both. And prepping for both is a product of God awareness and self-awareness and what we are willing to do. And so when when we go on this journey into marriage and into ministry, we bring baggage, as you can see. We bring all of us into both of those journeys, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And many of us have extra baggage. And as you know, when you bring extra baggage on the plane, there are extra baggage fees. And, but in life, let me tell you, those extra baggage fees cost more than a few bucks. And in this little opening skit between Mark and I, it was obvious that we were bringing baggage into our relationship, into the marriage relationship. And for us, we were entering into ministry too. And this can result in the inability to to have true intimacy in your life. And as you can see in that skit, the baggage between us allowed us not to be able to actually kiss the bride, right? It allowed us not to be able to have that true intimacy. And I'm not just talking about physical intimacy tonight. See, intimacy means intimacy. And how can anyone see into you or who you are, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your desires, unless you know who you are and you are willing to allow someone in? Or maybe you do allow someone in. But because you don't know who 
because you don't know who you are or you haven't processed pain that has come into your life, the combination of, of letting someone in to that mess can be so damaging. True intimacy can't happen where there's too much baggage in the way. So experience, experiencing true intimacy begins with being connected to your own heart. It is self, it's a self-awareness that God wants you to accomplish in your life. What was that? <laughs> it's not my phone, right? Okay. Let me say that again. Experiencing true intimacy begins with being connected to your own heart. It is a self-awareness that God wants to accomplish in your life. This awareness of yourself and the awareness of the power of God to transform you, to remove this extra baggage, is going to result in you being the person and the minister that God has called you to be. But you have to do the hard work, and it is hard work. You can't pretend that you aren't carrying extra baggage. Let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, I was a bit of a fighter. I was a a justice seeker. Uh, I was super mouthy to my parents, And when I didn't like something, I let them know. And um, my dad was a very strict, hard man. And he had a bent towards anger that actually, um, he, he would just fly off the handle whenever questioned or set off for any reason. And honestly, guys, I actually began to develop that same personality. I was very reactionary. I could go from zero to 10 in no time flat. And um, this combination between my father and I actually caused quite a bit of tension in my teen years. And by the time I was ending my teen years, there was a very deep rift between my father and myself. And uh, it didn't help that my mom was a peacemaker. Her angle was to keep the peace at all costs. And keeping the peace at all costs is no peace at all. And so, entering my young adult years, enter Mark into the picture. We began dating. And at this point in time in his life, now, let me just make it clear to all of you that Mark is six years older than me, just in case you were wondering. And, uh, (laughs) pardon me? They were all clear? Okay. So, he enters into my life, and Mark had walked through some of his own significant childhood pain. But he had done the hard work of healing by this point. And because of this, he recognized the extra baggage fees that I was carrying around. And we were, when we were going to get married, he decided that we should go to pre-marriage counseling together. Months and months and months ahead of our wedding, we would go every week to pre-marriage counseling with Chuck. He was a good guy. <laughs> he was. He was a good guy. Remember Chuck, Mark? He was a good guy. wonder what he's doing. So we go, we went, every week we go on Fridays to marriage counseling. And every week I walked out of there with the same task. That that week I was going to confront my father. That that week I was going to have the courage to tell my dad exactly how I felt and how he wounded me. And every week would pass and I'd sit back in Chuck's office and I didn't do it. Because I couldn't muster up enough courage. And every week, Chuck would encourage me to do that. And uh, ultimately, guys, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And uh, marriage for me was my getaway plan. My plan was to get married, 
move three hours away, and chop, chop, my problems would be solved. My relationship with my father would no longer be an issue. But guys, that's not how it works. That's not how healing works. You can't be healed by sweeping something under the carpet. You cannot be healed by avoiding it. And so, ultimately, behind this tough, mouthy exterior that I was, I was afraid of my father, and I just couldn't do it. So weeks turned into months, and by this time, we're 10 short days away from our wedding. It was a Wednesday. And Mark and I didn't live in the same town. We didn't have FaceTime or all those things. We didn't have email. (laughs) So he calls me up on the phone on a Wednesday night, and he says to me, "Uh, did you talk to your dad? And I said, nope, I didn't do it. And he proceeds to tell me that uh, he knows that he's supposed to marry me, but he doesn't have to marry me on May 14th, 1994. And that if I cannot do this, that he was prepared to call 300 guests and call the wedding off. Well, that was not a good phone call. And, uh, like, remember the part where uh, I was reactionary. I took all the rage I had for my father and I dumped it on him and I yelled and I screamed and I said, you don't love me. How could you do this to me? You just, you're unbelievable. This cannot happen. But by the end of the phone conversation, guys, I knew that he wasn't going to change his mind. And I was faced with this very, very serious ultimatum. So, here's what Mark knew. He recognized that three hours wasn't going to solve the daddy-daughter issue, and he recognized that the next man in his life, the next man in my life, was him, and that I would likely dump my baggage all on him. And he was brave enough in that moment to know that uh, he had to do something. And so Mark's revelation of the size of God's love and his own healing journey that he had been on made him realize that he needed to do this. And I had to be brave, and I had to submit to transformation in that moment. And so with this proverbial gun to my head, the next day I wrote a letter to my father. And on the Friday, I sat down with him and told him just how I felt. And guys, it was so tough. It sucked. It was so hard to sit there and tell my dad exactly how I felt and to watch him break. Because ultimately, let's call a spade a spade. My dad grew up with a father who was 10 times the angry man and strict man that my father was. He was carrying his baggage into his marriage and, and family life, right? And, and, and I knew that. So in those days... Leading up to the wedding, it was apparent to me just how much Mark loved me to help me discard my extra baggage. He loved the ministry enough. He loved the call of God on our life enough. He loved the kingdom enough to make the tough call. And I hope that you have someone in your life that loves you enough to make that tough call. And it may not be a spouse ever, but it might be a really true friend. And Mark? was my truest friend. I don't often tell this part of, I don't, I don't think I've ever told this part of my story publicly. 
And I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's out of respect for my father. Because my father, in a lot of ways, was such a good man. He was. He was a godly man in so many other ways. But he just had this one part of his life that was tough. But here's the thing. I've come to know that the cost of extra baggage fees in your life is just way too much to pay. And I have had a front row seat to my own baggage fees and to so many talented ministers of the gospel that didn't do the hard work of dumping their extra baggage. And it literally cost them everything. It cost them their ministry, their marriage. It cost their family so much. But listen, the thing is about ministry and the cost it is to the church and to the kingdom is it's almost immeasurable when it bleeds out into the body of Christ. So let's take a bit of a journey tonight to become more self-aware and God-aware. The Apostle Paul was so self-aware. What he brought into ministry, he didn't try to sweep under the carpet. Paul was likely the greatest evangelist that ever lived, and he said these words in Timothy. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. His self-awareness made him aware of his need for God. So he lived with this this dependency on God's grace and God's power at work within him. In Ephesians 3, he writes this. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to him in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in a rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. And when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And that's what I needed that day, his glorious, unlimited resources. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love what Paul writes here. He is so clearly self-aware. He doesn't try to project an image to anyone. He's 100% honest about his past, which makes his message so much more powerful. His vulnerability makes his message so full of hope. He's, he's basically saying, I suck. But for God's grace and power, He allows me to spread the gospel. And ultimately, guys, this is our story too. I'm not perfect. I am so far from perfect, and I am so completely aware of it that I don't need to hide it. And it's because of God's grace and power that function in my life, because I believe it and I live it, that I can share it with others. 
He says, I was chosen. And I was chosen too, and so are you. And that's why you're sitting in this room tonight, because you're chosen. But that doesn't mean we still have loads of work to do on ourselves. My awareness of my need for him, my awareness of God's grace, his power and deep understanding that there is nothing that I can do that will separate me from the love of God. And that that's going to result in immeasurably more than I can ask or think. And guys, I have seen the immeasurably more in my life, in my ministry so many times, but I want to see more. I want immeasurably more. And so I continue to humble myself and to recognize that I am still in need of his healing. And here's the one thing that you might not know yet because you haven't completely walked into ministry. And even if you walk into marriage or ministry and you just have like a little very neat carry-on luggage that fits completely perfectly in the overhead compartment above you, and that's all you're bringing into marriage, that's fantastic. I'm so grateful for people that have had childhoods that have been so godly and, and healthy. And it's, it's wonderful to see. And that's amazing. But sometimes when we walk into ministry, guess what happens? People that we minister to, they are messy. They come in with baggage. And they start to dump it on you. And maybe you already have your own baggage, so now you look like me walking down the aisle tonight. And they dump it on you, and maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're in too much pain. Maybe you feel burnt out. Maybe you don't have somebody to confide into in ministry. And this baggage starts to, to, to compile in your life over years of ministry. I've seen it happen in so many people's lives. Maybe tonight you're here and you're a preacher's kid. And you've actually watched this happen to your parents. And you've actually seen people dump on your parents, and you don't even know how to handle that it happens in ministry and not just today but every day as ministers of the gospel we need to be aware of the luggage of the baggage that we need to unload because the fees are steep here's the thing even in the last few weeks i've had some conversations with some young people that have made me so scared, so sad, that as I stand here tonight, I cannot ask you enough to just consider what you're carrying, what you're loaded down with, the extra baggage fees that you might be paying, and I want you tonight to meditate on the love of God. Mark's going to come in a few minutes, but I want you to meditate on the overwhelming, never-ending reckless love of God. And many times, guys, you know what? The baggage that you carry likely isn't even your own fault because this is what happens. The people in our lives that are wounded, maybe our parents or other people in our lives that are wounded and they haven't dealt with their own pain, they're wounded, they're cut, they're bleeding, and what happens is they tend to bleed on others. And usually... They bleed on not necessarily the people who've cut them. And that's why it's not, it's not always your fault. So I want you to consider maybe the baggage you're carrying. And Mark is going to tell you where to dump it tonight. So we have a daughter up here. I'm just going to steal some of her water.
Mm. Super helpful. Thanks, Abby. Mm. Is this on? Yeah, good. Um, let me just pull this out. This one would best represent me right here. I come from a broken home, and it left me with a lot of lingering things. And I wish 25 years into ministry, having done more than I ever thought I would measurably ask or imagine, that I would be totally free from this, but I'm not. In fact, I understand this, that I continue to work on my salvation with fear and trembling. And I have to consistently own it. The problem with most people I see in ministry is they're not brave enough to own their garbage. And so I'm standing here tonight and I'm like, you guys, some of you aren't going to ministry. Some of you going to mission. Some of you going to the workplace. Some of you here for a year of discipleship. I want you to know this. Your capacity in whatever form of life you're doing is not tied to your gifting. It's tied to your healing. Because your lack of healing will derail you long before your gifts can take you to where God wants to bring you. Did you get that? your capacity does not determine your destiny, your healing does. Because your lack of healing will will determine the landing spot of your life long before you ever reach the, the gift, the place your gift will bring you and God will bring you through your giftings. Your giftings are almost irrelevant. Everybody's got gifts. Everybody's got gifts. But everybody's got baggage too. Now here's the thing. I know some of the bravest leaders in the Pentecostal Summers of Canada. I know them. They're my friends. And the ones that are the bravest are not necessarily the most famous. They're just the most whole. They have a courage to own what they are. Here's the thing I want to, I want to introduce to this fact. <clears throat> when Jesus stares at me, he sees my issues. Like he sees the baggage I carry. Oh, there's Mark. He's been struggling with fear and acceptance his whole life because his dad walked out of him and he was... He was just a nasty dad for a while. He turned out to be a great one later. Just took 13 years of divorce. Anyway, yeah, my parents were, were remarried after uh, a 13-year, like, I don't know, hiatus, sabbatical. Anyway. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's really confusing when you're like, should we, should we celebrate your original anniversary or your new one? <sighs> So we do the old one, actually. So we celebrate their 50th with, uh, my dad got 13 years off for bad behavior. Anyway. Here's the, thing about, here's the thing about Jesus. Here's the thing about Jesus and baggage. Jesus knows me. Like, there are no blind spots to you. Some of you project an image with incredible grace. You have such an ability to make everybody think around you that you have, you've got this thing figured out, that you are God's gift to the Bible college. And I feel sorry for you because you lack the courage to face yourself. And then some of you have the exact opposite issue. You don't think you're God's gift to anything. And I feel sorry for you because one of these things has got you chained up. But you know what's remarkable about Jesus? Even though he sees Mark with his brokenness and stupidity, he still says, come. That's shocking! So, so here's the deal. I'm, I'm, I, I remember this moment, the phone call with Jen, all this stuff. And I have really no problem inviting Jen, who's, you know, <laughs> need to deal with some stuff. Because I know 
that I'm bringing baggage to the relationship too. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. We're both messed up. Let's do this together. But then there's Jesus. And I stared the brilliant perfection that he brings towards my life. And I can't help with humility and honesty going, I don't measure up. Now, listen, if some of you knew where I've been and what I've done in ministry, you'd go, oh, man, I want that pathway. Most of you don't know me because I'm from Ontario and I just moved here three months ago, which is fine. But like I am routinely and powerfully shocked that I get to do this kind of stuff. That I get to speak into people's lives, that I get to influence leaders, that I have friends who are beautiful and brilliant. And the reason I am shocked is because when I look at the perfection of Jesus and I have the courage to own my own baggage, my self-awareness makes me so God-aware that it puts me in a position of humility and keeps me there. Some of you struggle with arrogance because you're too afraid to face yourself. You're busy projecting an image because you're scared that you might just... You might just have to admit that there's some messed up parts of you. And so then there's Paul. I am the worst. The worst. Seriously, the worst. (laughs) You know, there's some pretty bad stuff in life, but I am the worst. Seriously, the worst. The older he got, the worse Paul described himself. And I'm like, dude, you are the rock star of the kingdom of God. How could you even say that? So you're like, I'm going to plant a church one day. It's going to be so awesome. Big deal. They plant church every week. (laughs) Ooh, look who's going to plant churches. Ooh, you're going to do a whole church, are you? Well, he planted countries. Anyway. And he's like, I am so familiar with my baggage. I am so familiar with my brokenness. It drives me to a place of utter shock and amazement. So then he turns to Ephesians and he sees them struggling in flesh and blood against society and the onslaught of their against their faith. And he begins to pray. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you can see how wide, how long, how deep is this love that passes all understanding. Oh, Jesus loves me. And you're a mess. And I wish we were shocked by it. I wish Canadian Christians were shocked by it. I wish we didn't live in this narcissistic entitlement that we just have to show up to church and be an usher in something and feel like we are Jesus' best friend. Instead of being aware of our brokenness and our pain so that we don't bring it into our families, into our workplaces, and into our ministries. Instead, we can own our stuff because the bravest people do. The bravest people look inside and go, dang. (laughs) I can't believe you would keep me, Jesus. I can't believe you would call me. And he does. It's remarkable. Like, it's, it's utterly remarkable that Jesus would say to Mark, who is a total basket case sometimes, I choose you. But Jesus, you can see me. You, you know my blind spots, the things I can't even see about me, the things I'm afraid to admit in the darkness, the whispers that haunt me in, in, in fear and in weariness and in brokenness and frustration, the sin that I give into and the grace that I refuse to admit I need. There is this balance you have to find 
between knowing you need grace and not living as a worm on the floor as a constant victim. But you have to remember and still be shocked that God will call you to anything. If you leave this place and you go and do something incredible for the kingdom in any capacity, you will only be limited by the baggage you carry into it and your unwillingness to process it. I'm okay with taking Jen in my life. I'm shocked that Jesus would take me. And then there's Paul and brave people. And I'm like, where, where is this strength? Where is this strength, the courage to own my nonsense? And I'm so convinced it was, he was so God aware. It made him powerfully self aware, which made him even more God aware. A lot of you struggle with your walk with God in distance, like a roller coaster, because you're actually not self aware. Self aware and will dis- a lack of self-awareness disables your ability to be God aware. It's only in the place of utter honesty that you can actually receive the love of God for your life. When he starts writing in the dimensions of God, it's because he comes from a place of honesty. I am frightened. I am insecure. I am the worst. And yet you still call. That's shocking. He knew this love that passes all understanding. He knew this grace. He talks about the width of love. And when I think about the width of God's love, I actually think, man, God's love extends into this boy's past and into this boy's past. But it also extends into this boy's presence and this boy's presence. And it extends into his future and it extends into mine. And it's remarkable that God would reach towards my past, redeem it, so he can actually redeem my purpose. But if he can't redeem your past, he certainly can't rescue you to your purpose. Because if he doesn't redeem your past, you disable your purpose. Sorry. If you're not brave enough to face yourself, you cannot have what you hope for. And you are here paying money at a spiritual institution with some kind of hope that God has got a profound purpose for your life. And it's not because of a theology degree that will help a little bit. But if you don't own your baggage, you will never possess your purpose because you have to actually let the width of God's love reach you in your deepest parts. And when the width of God's love actually reaches into your past, he will prepare your purpose. So he can plant vision in your life. He can plant vision in your life, but he takes us all on a journey of becoming the person God wants us to be. And he reaches first to our, to our brokenness. He asks, he asks us to own the stuff we carry into a relationship with him. And he says, I'll help you manage this. See, I, I want you to know, it's, it's actually, it's healing. It's a process. Like sometimes my past just kind of leaps up and punches me back in the face. It's an old lie, an old fear, an old reminder. And I have to go to the width of God's love. <laughs> but it's so wide. I, was, I think about Paul and his brilliant self-awareness. Enabled by faith. Despite his failings and hopes. <laughs> He had a backpack of learned behaviors as a Jewish leader. He had a luggage full of arrogance and a bag full of fear. And he could see it in his past. It must have snuck up up on him once in a while. And he just must have marveled at the width of God's love over his past and his present and his future. 
And I think about the, and then I, he says the length of God's love. And to me, it just speaks of this ridiculous amount of patience, Gavin. I mean, I know you know this because you're a humble and sweet man of God, but he's so patient with us. And we are probably our worst critics. And how many can relate to that statement? And I know, like every self-help book, it's just, you know, you just need to be positive with your self-talk. The best advice I ever got was one of my mentors said to me, Mark, every day I pray this prayer. I thank God for his patience because I know without his salvation, I'm going to hell. Oh, well, that clears it up. Oh, and then, and then he says, and then I thank him. But I start in a position of knowing that I need grace so that I actually don't take grace for granted. I'm like, I'm going to try that. It's so funny because when, when, when we give into doubt and temptation, or we avoid owning who we really are, really seeing ourselves. I think of Paul's words and his wrestle and his inability to do what he thought he should do. And he says that, you know, I know the good I should do and I don't do it. And, and the things I know I shouldn't do, I do. And he's like, this is when he's already a theologian. So it's still real with him. And he's so aware of this love that is so patient and so enduring. And God and his patience and his endurance. And I want you to know this. I thank for him every day because I see my weakness and it's okay. The bravest leaders own it in every field. They're approachable and they're vulnerable and they're amazing. I once knew a man who was a district superintendent, a national superintendent, and a Bible college president. Everything he touched turned to gold. He rescued it all. And he actually said this to me, Mark, I just wish I was a better man. What? He's like, I, I, there's three things I'd really be really, like to be really good at. I'd like to be a great leader. I'd like to be a great pastor. And I'd like to be a great father. And it seems like I can only do two of them at a time. When one gets bad, or when two get good, another one suffers and it switches. And I'm just like, and I just want you to know, that helped me so much. Hearing this giant of a man who accomplished things, oh, man, wouldn't I love to own his baggage. It's powerful. See, the brave people let you in on their little story. And the, and the ones who lack courage project an image. Who are you? Do you worship like the people beside you because they're doing it? Or is there some genuineness there? Just a little... I want you to know this, in spite of that, his love is so wide, and it is so long. And it's also pretty high, how high this love is. It's not like BC high, like legalized marijuana. (laughs) I'm talking about the distance he reaches down into the plant to grab a hold of your life and to your, okay, come on, just get off that, all right? Just let it go. (laughs) It's all this murmuring happening. It's not helping He's like, he just like, he just reached out and he says, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull, pull, reach down from heaven. I'm going to pull on your heart, on your life. I'm going to introduce hope and vision in your purpose. And I'm going to say it's for you. Not because of what you bring to the table, because I love you and I bring it to the table. Because you don't bring Jack to the table. He brings it. And if you receive it, then he uses it. It touches you. It changes you. And then you, because you, we're, all, we're so taught to be about what I bring to the table. My, my ability to communicate, my ability to sing, my ability to organize, my ability, blah, 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 blah. But if there's brokenness tied to that, if there's baggage not redeemed in that, then all those things get flawed and skewed and pretty soon you're a train wreck. Eventually you're a train wreck. 
I wish it was a one and done altar call too. Oh, Jesus, I'm broken. Then you wake up the next day and go, oh, Jesus, I'm broken. But hopefully a little less. Amen? And then he talks about the depth. And this is the part that I just want to crush here for a second. The depth of God's love. It just, it's, it's, he's talking about inward reaching into the soul of a person. It, it reaches down and begins to massage the soul and whisper to it. And says, have courage, soul, to run towards healing. Have courage, soul, to, to bow with your brokenness and bring your baggage to the altar. Have, I'm talking about coming to a different altar with your baggage, people. We're going to be consumed and refined, redeemed and used to actually be an encouragement. That's the great thing about owning your nonsense in, in a dark place. Like the best gift that God gave me was the measure of healing he has given me has been the measure of healing I can extend to other people. And the same is true of you. Oh, God wants you to be a healer. But you can't give away what you don't possess. You can pretend, but the substance of your life is revealed in the substance of your gift to people. The substance of your depth to people. And he wants to reach your soul with a love so gracious, so powerful, so rich, that you have courage to face you. I think of Paul, you know, knocked off a horse, blinded for three days. Where do you look? In. I can't believe you bothered, Jesus. I was persecuting your people. I can't believe you bothered, Jesus. I'm just a bag of arrogance, religious stupidity, pretending to be somebody I'm not, making my own way in the planet, projecting an image. I can't believe you bothered three days in the dark, blinded. (gasps) Could it be that you love me? How high? How wide, how deep is this love of Christ that passes all understanding that you would choose Mark and Jenny and Kim and Gavin and you? Shocking. But so big. (laughs) Maybe if we lay blinded for three days, we'd come to realize how deeply we are loved. So then he says that you will, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, coming to an understanding of yourself gives you an understanding of God. Coming into a deeper understanding of God, Jason, gives you a deeper understanding of yourself. And the deeper you know yourself, even if you see yourself with incredible clarity and honesty, you come to understand that you are still called by Jesus who loves you deeply, which then means you get to understand how deeply you are loved and how deep this love is. And when you come to courage to face yourself, you actually be able to find the healing and grace that you need that actually you discover how to give that love away. And so when you describe the love of God, it isn't theological. You know this love. Because you know yourself and your need for it. And you need it. Because you're a baggage carrier. Don't even know what that means. 
You're like a cart at the airport. <laughs> Only it's not the free ones. This is the one you have to put the loony in. You're paying for your baggage. Oh, just, oh I hate those! <sighs> he says, there is power in understanding truth about the depth that God's love you. There is power in revealed love. The, we always say, oh, I'm just fine. If I could just get the goosebumps and then I wouldn't feel sorry for myself anymore. No, it's tied to revelation. If you know the revealed love of Jesus for your life, you'll actually change your perspective about yourself and about your life. You'll stop feeling self-pity because you understand that, man, I am a total mess, but Jesus loves me. That is powerful. Amen? And no matter where you pursue, no matter what you go, no matter what you spawn in this world with your bridal college relationships, here's the deal. You want to manage your baggage in the presence of Jesus. You don't want your baggage processing you. Amen? Who's with me? Come on, church. I have such high hopes. I'm watching the atmosphere in this room tonight. There's genuine passion. But this I know. That for some people, Bible college is kind of an escape. A safety button, man, a bubble. The good news is there's enough presence of the power of God that eventually even here in the safety, you feel the rub. It's not the rub. It's actually the pursuit of God because he loves you. So high. So wide. So long, so deeply. And if you could just understand it, you'd be okay with facing yourself. And as you face yourself... You will free yourself. And when you are free, you'll be able to give freedom to others. Amen? We're here to inspire you, to encourage. Testing the team, can you come? My, my hope is that you will pursue healing. Here's the deal. I, I wish... I wish it was just enough, you know, disappear in the presence of Jesus. I'm like, oh, I'm going to change the world. Hey, Jace. We go way back. Anyway. <laughs> um, I wish it was that easy. But I'm 25 years into ministry, and I'm just a total work in progress. And I'm trying to be courageous enough to admit that so you be courageous enough to face yourself so that when you enter into this ministry, you won't assume it's about what you bring to the table. It's about what Jesus brings to you. Amen? You with me? Do you know this love in such a way that you can face yourself? Mark there are some scary moments in the darkness or I am afraid of being loved or acceptance I do struggle with arrogance sometimes and, and sometimes I give in to myself and my sin and for some of you the, the confusion is even deeper and I know Kim and Gavin have been just kind of hammering identity at you guys but that's tied to the love of Jesus 
start in a place of being shocked again that you could use me? What you talking about, Willis? It's amazing that that reference actually works. I was born in the 60s, man. I can't believe that reference works. It's awesome. Netflix. Close your eyes. I don't know where your destination is pointed to. There's a good chance that most of you will be married. Many of you will be in ministry. But ministry isn't a job position either. I pray to God that every one of you finds ministry. Some of you are made to be incredible leaders in churches and kingdoms in the planet. I'll tell you what will hold you back, though. A refusal to face yourself. you lack the courage to stare down your baggage. Your baggage will take you down. It's okay to be shocked because his love is so, so wide. It stretches to your past. It redeems your present. It prepares your future. It is so long. It is patient. Enduring with my insanity. It is so high. It entered... It entered my reality through the face and person of Jesus Christ. He said, I died because you were a mess. And it is so deep. It dares my soul to courageously be honest. So I will walk down the aisle again. And I will bring my baggage to an altar. Where there is a flame that refines and heals. And I will place myself there every day. Knowing that I am called. But I am also in need. here tonight say, Timur, I just I just want God to complete the work he started in me and I'm willing I'm willing to touch the broken pieces. I'm willing to speak to to whatever it is, pride, arrogance, lust, temptation, discouragement, depression, anxiety, mistrust, issues of in it, lack of innocence, everything, doubt, fear, the fear of acceptance, fear of approval, any of it. Strive to perform for people. I just, I just want to submit to the grace of Jesus. I just want you to stand your feet if, if that fits you, if that fits your hope, that it fits your, your heart. If, I'm, if Jenny and I are speaking to you, if that fits, I just want you to stand. I want you to raise your hands towards God and kind of like two hands up, halfway palms open, just in a posture of here I am. ask for some courage tonight. I want you to take one of the words that were on the bags or one of the words that weren't there, but they fit you. Something you identify in your life, and I just want you to shout it. 
And after you shout it out loud, I want you to walk to the front. On the count of one. One. Come on, go. Go, louder. Come on up as you shout it. Come on up as you shout it. Come on, come on. Come on, we're going to worship together. We're going to pray for healing. Keep going, church. Come on. Your courage may inspire somebody else's courage. We're leaving some stuff behind. If you're standing, you got something. Let's do this. He who began a good work in me is faithful completed. Come on, just speak it out. Awesome. Come. Thank you for your bravery. Anyone else? Do it. Come. Awesome. Anybody say fear of failure? If that's you, just come. If it's already been named, come. Just come right now. Yep. I know that one. Come on. Come on. I know that one. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. There's such mercy. There is such mercy. There is such mercy because his love is ridiculous. It is powerful. It is redemptive. You are still called. In your confession, you are still called. Here's Mark. In need of approval. Fearing rejection. Scared of failure. Still called. It's shocking. But that's how much I'm loved. Come on up. Come on up. He who began a good work in me, be faithful to complete it. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. The two most powerful responses in my life to God was the altar call that I said, I'll go anywhere and do anything. Whatever you ask of me, I'll do it. And the other one was, broken I'm broken I'm broken I see it I know it I need your touch in my life the two most powerful moments in my life when I said I would sacrifice for him and when I said I would respond to his healing grace we're going to do what Pastor Gavin did right at the beginning of the service. Come on. We're going to breathe. Yeah, if you need to speak and move, do it. If you're standing here, I just want you to take the deepest breath. I want you to just breathe in the presence of Jesus right now. Come on, just breathe in the favor of God. Take a deep breath. Come on, church. Come on, young people. Come on, leaders. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's here. He adores you. He loves you. He loves you. That love is wide. That love is long. That love is deep. That love is high. That love is real. That love never fails. That never forgets. Never, is, never gives up, never turns its back on us. That love is rich and intentional. It is meaningful and powerful. And if you realize how loved you are, you will be free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just begin to worship. Just begin to pray. Just begin to receive.
there's no condemnation. <laughs> Don't confuse this moment for condemnation, please. There's just courage. And there's grace. This is a safe place. This is a place of grace. This is where we say, I'm not good enough, but I'm still called. I'm not strong enough, but I'm still called. I'm not perfect, but I'm still called. In the blinding light of Christ's perfection, I am I am flawed, but I am cared for. I am flawed, but I am loved. I am flawed, and I own it, and I am in need of grace. But you are with me. You go before me. You lead and direct my steps. You never leave me. You never forsake me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear. Because you are my rock. And you are my staff, and you are my comforter, and you are my counselor. Father, I pray you'd forgive us for moments of pretense. We pretend like we have it all together. I pray you'd forgive us for moments of fear. We forget that we are loved. Father, for those who are afraid, I pray right now that the perfect love of God would fall fresh upon them. Lord, you don't love them because of their performance. You love them because that's your nature. You love them (laughs) before they even try. You love them. Give us courage, Holy Spirit. 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 To hear you, God. To hear you, God. To hear you, God. Man, if there's any ounce of shame just kind of playing with your head right now, we just break that off in Jesus' name. That's not his voice, that's baggage. That might be ancient roots of shame. That's that's baggage. That's not Jesus. <laughs> it was for my shame he died. Right? The perfect place for my life as a leader is just honesty. your healing power in this house. Pour a revelation of love that every leader, every student in this house would understand that they are wonderfully and fearfully made. That you saw them coming from every home, from every town. You saw them coming and you call them by name because you bring love to the table. You bring love to the soul. You don't have to pretend. We don't have to fear. We can receive. 
I'm just going to pray for you in a second. I just um, was thinking of this moment. Remember Paul's words? He said, he was talking about his thorn in his flesh. He asked God three times to take it from him. When he prays this prayer in Ephesians, like get this, put it together. How high, how long, how wide, how deep is the love of God? Ready? He's thinking about him at his worst. Thorn in the flesh, can't get past his weakness, wants to be a better human being. And God says, actually, I prefer you a little weaker. Because when you're weak, I am so strong in you. Why? Because when you're courageous enough to recognize your weakness, you go looking for his strength. Hey. My best gift to you happened 30 years ago. When I bawled like a baby at an altar. And begged God to change me. And to heal me. Not once. Every every service for a year. of us are the most self-aware. <laughs> because when you're self-aware, you're God-aware and you know what he can do through you. Amen? My friend's going to pray for me. I'm going to be honest right now. I'm a little scared right now. <laughs> but I just I feel like God wants everyone here to hear this. are not measured by the depth of your brokenness. You are not measured by your pain and suffering, and Jesus did not come to redeem a perfect people. He came to redeem the broken. He came to redeem those who are lost. He left for the sheep that wandered away. He has come to give you healing. I just I pray so deeply that you you would know and no matter what you've gone through you do not have to let guilt or shame or fear or condemnation rule your life because those things tie you down to sin they tie you down to the things that are that are <laughs> holding you wrapped up in this feeling of brokenness because that's not what God gave you he gave you freedom he gave you life he gave you right relationship with him and there's nothing that you could do to lose that (laughs) I want to admit something (laughs) I've been walking with God for five years and for five years I've had to deal with depression anxiety lust lust was a terrible one pride self-harm suicidal thoughts problems with rejection and acceptance and it's not easy it's not easy to walk around every day and and feel those things in my past and feel those things that that I I try to let go and hold on to still but God 
God has gotten rid of that. He does not bring those things back up. He's taken them on the cross and died with them for you and was raised to life. I want you to know that. I want you to believe that, that you are in right relationship with him right now, no matter what it is that's breaking you. I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all of these people. That you would bring them together through grace, through the cross, through the love that you have for them. Thank you so much that you did not come for perfect, unblemished people, but you came for the broken, and you're calling them even still, that they are your sons and daughters, that they are loved, that they are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And I just pray that they would see that, that they would see how much you love them, that they would see the depth of your goodness. God, I just thank you so much for your mercy and thank you that in every day we can come and surrender these things to you and we can come and see these things that are working in our hearts, Lord, and just give it up to you because it is not our strength that will keep us through standing through the day, God. It is not our strength that will get us through. It is yours and it will always be yours. And we just, I just pray that each one of us would surrender everything to you, surrender our lives to you, that everything else will be considered as loss for the sake of Christ. And God, yes, just thank you so much for bringing us here. Thank you for what you've done for us. And I pray that your spirit would continue to work in the hearts of everyone here as they go from this place. God, that they would surrender these things to you every day. In Jesus' name, let your will be done in the hearts of these people. Amen. Tyson, got a word for you. God's gift to you is he saved you and so you know those who are forgiven much they live like they owe much you're still on a journey it's not finished you are positionally healed in Jesus there's a process still in front of you if you may remain soft and humble God will add to that healing and grace but you have to stay humble okay I'm going to have the team sing about the love of Jesus. <laughs> they were singing some good songs about it already. Would you stand? Unless you're still doing like serious business with Jesus. When I when I stare at audiences, young, young audiences, I mean, of leaders, it's my favorite place to be, to share. I, I love it. I, it is breathtaking to me, the potential in this room. But hey, potential is irrelevant without transformation. A bag full of potential is useless. It has to be realized potential. And when I was young, they would always preach, this is the generation. They'd preach it to an audience that hadn't done anything yet. I'm like, how do you know this is the generation? 
the generations that are named, like the revolutionary generations, it's because of realized potential. Amen? I'm praying that they name your generation, not by some letter, but because of the difference God makes in your life. And because of that, you make a difference in the planet. Here it is. It's tied to healing. Lift your hands all over the house. And just begin to breathe in the presence of Jesus right now. Remember, you are loved. You are loved. We're just going to begin to worship. And I just want you to breathe in the love of God. There is no condemnation. No condemnation. Accepted, you are cared for. I open up my heart Walk. to you. Come on, with humility, with humility and that reverence.
These last couple of weeks, we've been intentional about like pressing in further, taking this time and uh, lingering in His presence. So we're going to continue in that same trend. Many of you need to continue to linger here and to allow healing. It's not instant, right? It's a process, and even just tonight, to allow the healing to continue to flow into you. But I also need to do the most pastoral thing, I think, that I could say right now. These moments are wonderful and God moves. But you need to take these moments and make it a foundation in your life. And the way to do that is to read your Bible, to memorize Scripture. As Mark was pacing along here, do you know what he was doing? He was spitting out scripture. He's quoting truth that God has impressed upon his life. And so therefore he's living his life on a foundation that is rock solid. Not one that is just based on emotional highs like these. God works in all these moments. I know he does. But often we just try to live by these moments to moments and his work in our life is so much deeper than those moments and so we all do many of you need to continue to linger in this moment and allow the spirit to flush out brokenness in your life and to fill you with healing but our next step from here is to get his word inside of us daily to take out the lies and to fill our mind with truth. So I encourage you, some of you may need to just flip open your Bible right now. Read Ephesians 3 again. Read it through maybe a bunch of times to memorize it, to get it in you. 
And so I'm going to conclude, but I encourage you, uh, the van is going to stay here. uh, And if you would seek to linger further, I'm going to pray a blessing over you as you do so. Father, we thank you for the word that you brought through Mark and Jenny. We thank you for the impact that you have made in our lives tonight. And Lord, in our brokenness, that we offer this sacrifice to you now. You're such a good father. You're such a good dad. Would you heal our our picture of what a perfect dad is? We all we all have this broken image of a great dad. Even if we've had good fathers, we still have a broken image of it. And so heal us again in this moment that we could fathom even further how perfect and how wonderful that you are as a dad. Thank you for this perfect love that you give us. So we just dwell in that in this moment. We just, we just receive it and believe again that we belong in your presence as your children. We love you, dad. I love you, dad. I love you, father. pray a blessing over every person here tonight, every leader, that you would fill them with great courage, with great humility, with great self-awareness as Paul had. That as we progress and as we age and gain an experience that we too each day would realize our brokenness that much more and our need and our desire for you as a father gives us this perfect love. We thank you, Lord. Keep lingering, keep pressing in. God bless you.